Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Wednesday, November 10th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on today's Wildcard Show, we're digging into a new IPO hitting the market today, Expensify. Joining me to break it all down, he's a partner with Motley Fool Ventures. It's Mr. Brendan Matthews. Brendan, good to see you again. Good to see you, Jason. Been a little while. Been a little while. You guys are keeping busy over there at Motley Fool Ventures, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, always busy, um, but love a wildcard Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. You can never, ever, ever discount the wildcard Wednesday. You know, it always takes me back to always sunny in Philadelphia. I can't get over it. That's a little inside joke there. And, uh, I think I think few of our listeners may know what we mean there. Um, Brendan, we are going to talk a little bit today about a company that's getting ready to start trading today. It's IPO. It's going to list uh, on the market today, start trading. Uh, a company I'm sure a lot of folks have heard um, a, a little bit about. And, and we, I think, have a unique uh, perspective on it, at least as well from a user's perspective. But it's Expensify. Uh, now, Expensify is pricing, it looks like, at $27. It's not started trading yet, so we'll see, uh, at least at the time of, of taping here, it's, it has not started trading. So, we'll see how that all shakes out for the day. Uh, but it'll be trading under the ticker EXFY. And in, in simplest terms, Expensify is expense management software, right? That is that is meant to help uh, small, medium, and large businesses manage uh, their money. More effectively, more efficiently, uh, Brendan. You know, we we both have gone through the S one here, the filing uh, when when a company prepares to go public that gives us a lot of information on the business itself. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what Expensify does actually do. I mean, what's the problem that they're trying to solve to, to your mind? So the the function is expense reporting, uh, and it's it's not all of the expenses of your business. It's specifically when your employees have expenses and you've approved them. Oftentimes that's travel, but it could be a lot of different things. It could be a, a subscription to a business publication. Um, it could be parking to attend an event. It's a lot of little things like that. And usually it's like once a month, every pay period, you submit some expenses to your employer and they'd pay you back. Um, and, and this is an online tool to do that. Yeah, and and I mean, I think as as with most business today, uh, I mean, this is a cloud-based platform, so something that's built up on modern-day technology. Obviously, obviously, that's that's a good thing. Uh, but to your point there, in regard to the the customer, to the employee, I think that's important to note uh, because I mean, even in their in their S one, I mean, they note their north star uh, has has been improving the experience of the actual end users of this expense expense management software the everyday employee they call so you and me all all of the folks that we work with i mean that expensify is really aiming to make expense management easier for us and it seems like that's that's part of the the explicit strategy they state out right i mean they they feel like they've got a very sort of grassroots organic way to grow the business in that one employee maybe downloads the app or interfaces with the website deals with it, you know, some form of expense management they have a good experience with it then that then breeds more employees with the company to use it and then the company uh, grows to adopt expensifies platform and the tools that it provides uh, it, it, you know you, you see a lot of companies 
perhaps attacking it from a different angle, right? Trying to offer leadership of the company, uh, some big management platform, and then you more or less kind of impose it there on on your employees, whether they like it or not. I mean, Expensivize seems to feel like they've got something pretty good here in that they're confident enough to to take that strategy of starting really at, at the very base level, that ground-up approach, as they call it, with with the individual employee and then growing from there. Yeah, I actually, one of the things that's most appealing to me about this company is that it, they have what's called the bottom bottoms-up sales strategy, which we've seen that at you know Slack or MongoDB, whereas what you do is you put out kind of a, a free version and you just let people go out there and use it. And eventually they like it. They tell other people at their company about it. And eventually you kind of transition the whole company onto a paid account. It's called like a, a bottoms up approach. It, it's a contrast to the traditional enterprise sales model, which would be more of a, a top down where you have a salesperson who finds some director or manager and you pitch them and maybe there's a committee and they sign a contract. It's, it's time consuming, it's slow. And actually, I don't know if the results are ever that great. Um, I, I've been on committees of people evaluating and pick software. I've also seen the results of, of kind of bottoms up where you have employees, especially if you have tech employees, will go out and find good products and kind of organically introduce them versus sort of being rolled out company-wise. And Expensify is, is definitely in that um, category of bottoms up. And, and the reason I like that as a business is it's cheaper. So you don't need to spend a ton of money on a huge sales force if you've just got kind of people organically adopting it and then almost selling it for you. Do you feel like that's kind of how Slack got 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 about things? I mean, do you think that's it, it feels to me at least a little bit like Slack sort of took that same approach. I'm not I don't know if they explicitly stated that as their strategy, but it feels like Slack sort of took that same path and just individual users used it, they liked it, it kind of grew from there. Companies then realized a lot of their employees were using it and then started to establish the relationship with it. Oh, I mean, that's, I, I think that's definitely how Slack went to market. I think, you know, I, I might not have this story 100% correct, but I think at The Fool, we're, we're big users of Slack. And I think the early adopters were folks in our tech department um, who, um, we're on a, a you know a free version and just started using it themselves and there was no company-wide dictate they just sort of started using it and and they liked it and a few other people joined and then all of a sudden you say hey you're using this company-wide let's get you onto a a paid subscription and that and that's sort of how it works yeah yeah let's talk a little bit about the market opportunity here because that's obviously something we focus on a lot as investors and when you look at the numbers i mean this is still a this is a small business i mean they generated eighty eight million dollars in revenue in twenty twenty uh now now obviously it's growing very quickly so that that number will will be significantly higher for twenty twenty one i would imagine but but still it's 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 a small company kind of just just starting to to get its feet underneath it um but they 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 see, I think, a, a pretty sizey market opportunity out there. And if, if I'm reading this correctly, it looked like they see the total addressable market here, domestically at least, at $16 billion, um, which certainly indicates uh, some reasonable room for growth there, at least opportunity. Mm -hmm. Well, so I, I think the way that they're sizing the market is they're focusing on small businesses. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of small businesses. I mean, most, I, I think they... They have stats on you know 100 
or less employees is the vast majority of, of businesses in the United States. So that's sort of who they're going after. Yeah. And I think what they're, what they're replacing is probably in many cases, not a software solution. So it could be, you know, you just submit an envelope with, um, with a bunch of receipts in it, or you email receipts to somebody and there might be a, a spreadsheet uh, in your accounting department, or you might have a person who's not even a full-time finance person who's just trying to keep track of it. That And, and this is what that is re- replacing. Yeah. 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 It definitely feels to me like it, it they, they state this and I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of a business that we, we cover a lot here on Industry Focus on Monday show, bill.com, um, pursuing a very, a very similar market there. And there may be some, some nuances there that, that differentiate the two businesses, but generally speaking, they're kind of focused on that same market and helping these small to medium sized businesses and, and large businesses manage their their back end finances better, um, disrupting a very inefficient uh, market. There, I mean, we as consumers have really enjoyed this transition to digital money, right? I mean, PayPal and Venmo and Cash App and uh, everything in between. I mean, there there are just a million different ways for us to manage our finances now, just through the, the the tap of a few buttons on our phone, yet the enterprise side has remained surprisingly inefficient. Lots of paper, uh, lots of manual entry, lots of inefficiency, lots of errors, and and so it certainly does it does feel like they're they're tackling a market that needs to be quote unquote disrupted, so to speak, but but also it it feels like there's the opportunity to develop a lot of tools and services down the road that should be able to expand that market opportunity over time. Yeah, I think once once they get into a company, they want to launch new products, new services. Um, and it's really, it's it's sort of, a, I think the, the software to keep traffic, track of the expenses is to a certain extent a, a beachhead. They've also introduced expense cards, which which I think is another, adding another layer of efficiency, but also another way for Expensify to make money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what I mean, do you feel like you walk away from looking at this business, at least to the extent that we have for this show? I mean, do, what do you what do you feel like a competitive advantage for this business is, or is there one? I mean, is there something that stands out that makes you say, "Oh, you know what, this these guys have something that the others don't"? Because I mean, if if we look at Bill dot com versus um, Expensify, for example, I mean, Bill dot com came to market a little bit earlier. But it's clearly been a, a, a tremendous performer. I mean, the stock is up 250% over the last year. Now, it brings in a little bit better than three times the revenue right now of Expensify, but, but Expensify, I think, will, will continue to grow and catch up as well. What, I mean, what, what's, what's the competitive, what's the advantage there? What, what makes someone say, well, I'm going with Expensify over something else? Did you come up with anything there? Well, I think, I think part of it, I mean, this is typical for software, but I think there's going to be a certain stickiness, A, associated with behavior. So if you've been using one particular tool for a long time and it's integrated with all of your other systems, there's not going to be a big, um, there's not going to be a huge motivator to change. It can be difficult to change. Now, SMBs are a segment that are usually a little bit more fickle. So so they'll change more often. Um, One of the things that I was looking at in the S1 because of this, competitive advantage issue is, is churn. Um, and I was actually presently sort of pleasantly surprised by their, by their churn numbers. So we we could probably talk about 
COVID a little bit later, but 2020 was a hard year for them because of COVID. And they still on a customer by customer basis retained 86% of their customers. So um, for, for an SMB, you know, retaining 85% plus of your customers in any given year, I think it indicates that there is something there. Um, so I, I think there, there is a, a competitive advantage, um, but I think it's also maybe a little bit of a, a land grab. There's other people going after this market. So I think the advantage is always gonna be to the incumbent. So it's gonna be important for Expensify to get out there, get set up with these, with these companies, these SMBs, um, before other competitors do. And there's other people out there, there's other cards, there's Brex, Divi, two, two private competitors. Um, there's also, you know, um, Coupa software has oh, yeah. a, a component of, of, that includes billing. billing. So I think, I, I would say this one is, is, there's room for competitive advantage. They're probably not locked in quite yet. When we yeah. think about companies that are really locked in, they're not there quite yet. Yeah, it feels it feels like on the one hand you've got with, with things like this, it makes me think a little bit of like banking relationships, right? I mean, like you you get set up with your checking account, for example, when you're 20 or you know however old you are, you get your first checking account, and then I mean you kind of just end up staying with your bank, right? I mean it's just kind of a commodity service. You just you just need a place where you can get your money from point A to point B, and so you tend to not switch very often those banking relationships, because the longer they go on, the more difficult it becomes to switch, right? You have more things just embedded in that relationship, whether it's automatic payments, uh, budgeting tools, whatever it may be, you know, just, it becomes the, the incentive to switch just becomes less and less over time. And it feels like certainly expensive I could benefit from that. By the same token, I think you made a very good point there in that with small to medium-sized businesses in particular, they are going to be a little bit more economically sensitive, right? I mean, they are going to revisit these these relationships from time to time, and 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 assess whether the value is really there. And and then furthermore, I think also, while I do I do like their strategy in in really focusing on the individual employee and kind of building from the from the bottom up, so to speak. There's also a risk there in that the, the next the next mousetrap comes along, right? A little bit of a better mousetrap that a few other employees tend to really glob onto and, and, and really like. And then that word starts getting out there. And so then you start having perhaps some competing services within an organization. Um, something to keep in mind, I think. But but I mean, you, yeah, you, you raised a good point there with, with competition in the space. I think Coupa Software, one, one absolutely to keep in mind, very a strong business there. Um, a lot of private, a lot of private businesses in the space. So it is, it is, yeah. It feels like a land grab at this point, and they got to get as much as they can quickly uh, and provide superior service to really try to lock those those relationships in for as long as they can. And then I guess really we we gross margin to me is probably one of the good indicators over time that they are able to either maintain or or exercise even a little pricing power. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, definitely. So the, their gross margin right now is good. It's uh. I think seventy six percent, which yeah. is which is all kind of software as a service is typically going to have high gross margin. Um, I think if you see that ticking up, that's going to be a, a positive indicator on both like product quality, willingness to pay, and then sort of ability to efficiently deliver. Yeah, and then net retention rate. I mean that that uh, that plays into that. That idea of churn. I mean, your customers staying with you, not only staying, but really, are you growing the relationship with them? And and that's uh, something to keep an eye on as well. Uh, let's let's 
let's move over to leadership here because of course leadership is is something we always like to discuss and so many of these businesses that are coming out now uh to the market many many, many of them are, are founder led um which is you, you love to see founder led businesses right i mean you love to see those founders out there with skin in the game really trying to to steer the ship so to speak and and um and expensify is is no exception there david barrett um I, 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 yeah, I mean, I think he's, it's a very good theme for today's show. Very, very good theme for today's show. He he feels to me like he's a little bit of a wild card. I, I don't know that he necessarily is the kind of CEO that I'm gunning for. I don't know that I'm actually looking for a CEO that's doing the stuff that he's doing. And, and we can get into that. Uh, but but what, what what's your initial uh, what's your initial take on him? Uh, so. Probably two things. He, he's definitely um, doing things differently. And if you want results that are different than average, you have to do things differently. I, I like that. It, it's got some um, different kind of employee policies, um, like, you know, consensus pay. Um, I think we, I kind of laugh because I think around the election, he was sending us emails. Uh, um, it was, yeah, our, I was going to bring because, that up. Because we're, we're customers that, that, that created a, a big debate internally, which I, I didn't really uh, participate in. No. Um, but uh. he, yeah, he's 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 definitely he's he's a wild card. Um, he uh, definitely has a, a vision of himself that's more than just the the CEO of a of a successful software um, company. He definitely sees himself as sort of a, a visionary and a social activist, um, which sort of is is good and bad. Uh, I think that the, the thing with him is you, you really have to, you have to, you have to get comfortable that, that it, it's going to be a little bit of a, things are going to be exciting from a leadership perspective, because not only is he the sort of biggest owner of the company, the company is set up with a, this voting trust structure yeah. where there's different classes of shares and um, the CEO, CPO, and CFO all put their shares into this voting trust so that they're essentially going to control the company. Uh, so, so good or bad, um, David is sort of the captain of the ship. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's it. It's 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 good or bad. I mean, we've seen we've seen companies where the CEO, the founder, and the CEO, the leader of the business, can be. A, a a substantial part of the bull case and, and, and can also be a substantial part of the bear case. I mean, one of one of the businesses that comes to mind immediately under Armour, I feel like Kevin Plank is a very good example there, where we we saw Plank as as absolutely a, a key to the bull case, but also you you very clearly saw how he was part of the bear case as well. And so far, that's really kind of worked out. The bears have kind of won there, I think. <laughs> so so you do have to be aware of that. And I think. Um, yeah, I mean Barrett. Barrett, I think to me, very political. Um, that's neither good nor bad. That just is. So I mean, you have to kind of make your assessment there as to whether you're comfortable um, with a CEO who is as outspoken politically he as he is. I mean, yeah, you, you referenced that email that he sent in, in November as the election was coming near, and it was very awkward. I think for a lot of folks, uh, a few of us internally. When we got that email, we all kind of asked each other, "Did you just get this weird email?" And and everybody was like, "Yeah." And it just was very, very odd. Uh, I like you did not participate in any political debate because it's just not my thing. Um, but the one thing that stands out to me because he is very outspoken, right? And I mean, I, I think 
to give folks an idea of what this email said, I mean, he said in the email, a vote for anyone other than Biden is a vote against democracy. So I'm not going to unpack that, but I'm just I'm just saying that's kind of the angle that this guy's approaching it from. So the one risk that seems to play out is is a possibility. It, it could create an, an an environment where people don't want to work for a person like that, right? I mean, it doesn't seem to me when you get out there and lay it on the line like that, you're telling people exactly where you stand and this is how things are. And it seems like it would make it difficult to attract talent that perhaps thinks a little bit differently than you do. And and just because people think differently than you do doesn't mean they're right or wrong, but I mean, it kind of makes me, it harkens me back. I don't know if you ever read that book, uh, Team of Rivals, uh, the, the, uh, the Abraham Lincoln book, yeah, by Doris Kearns Goodwin. But, you know, it, it made me think of the reason why, one of the reasons why Lincoln was so successful, he surrounded himself with people that thought differently than he did, right? And so I think that's that's key to good leadership, is, is not only surrounding yourself with people who think differently than you do, but also then putting those thoughts into action. Um, you know, the flip side of that is Barrett, I think, feels very confident in his worldview and the way he's doing things. And so that's something that investors in this business would probably have to get comfortable with. Uh, so it's just certainly worth something, something worth keeping in mind. Um, I, I wanted to just ask you really quickly from a user perspective, because we can talk about red flags and risks. And I feel like we talked a little bit about that with, with, the, with leadership and, and competitive advantages. Um, from a user's perspective, and and I don't know I don't know how you feel about Expensify from a user's perspective. And maybe you ask our accounting department here at the company, and they tell you it's a great platform. I have no idea. I can tell you, like as a user from an employee's perspective, I don't find it all that great. I don't find it all that sleek. I don't find it all that intuitive. Now I'm sure that's also because I use it probably once a year, right? I mean, I don't use it frequently, but it's like every time I go in there to use it, I have to relearn how to use it, particularly if they've made changes to the platform. I wonder, I wonder if you have an opinion there as you, as a user of Expensify, if, if, you, if you have any concerns or, or if you feel like it's a great platform. Um, so I, I agree with your take. Um, so it's funny, a, a decade ago, I was working at Accenture and generating a lot of, doing a lot of business travel, and I would fill up these envelopes and... Um, mail them to somewhere in San Antonio that would go into some vault. Uh, now, <laughs> I would say it is a lot easier to kind of click, click, click between I've got a credit card connected to Expensify and a couple clicks, it works. Uh, when you're not using it that much though, they're definitely, it's, it's not completely intuitive and there's a little bit of friction there. And I don't know, I think there might be a, bit, a little bit of a dirty secret that that friction is a feature for some of the companies. We've both probably had instances where we've had an expense we could reimburse and and you kind of look at the process and you just can't get through it. So it's just not worth it. <laughs> you end up eating it. And, and I, yep. I think I think there's probably some element of that where employers um, don't mind having a little friction. I'm glad you said that because I'm guilty as charged. Uh, <laughs> I've let a few of them slide because I just the thing just it just wasn't wasn't 
wasn't working. I couldn't get through it. And it's just, you know what? It just we value our time a little bit differently today than we did years ago. So uh, yeah, maybe that is by design, but uh, something worth keeping in mind. And and again, I mean, it's it's everybody's different, right? We we all, there's there's Android users, there are iOS users. Everybody's kind of got their own perspective on user experience and whatnot. Just something worth keeping in mind uh, because I do feel like a business like this could be subject to that better mousetrap. Uh, threat there, and, and clearly fintech is a very quickly uh, evolving space with a lot, a lot of hands in that cookie jar. Uh, but before we wrap it up, Brendan, great conversation on Expensify. I wanted to give you a chance real quick just to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing these days with Motley Fool Ventures. Um, so we're just kind of nose the grindstones, still investing in startups, hoping to help people um, grow their businesses from sort of small to, to medium or big. Uh, we're looking for tech companies with around a half million to a million in revenue. Um, always looking for opportunities. And the, the best way to contact me is if you have a, a business that meets that criteria is uh, brendan at foolventures.com. Very good. We'll leave it at that. I think that'll do it for us. So, Brendan, thanks so much for taking the time out of all your research with Motley Fool Ventures to dig into a new publicly traded company uh, with us today, and, and I'm sure our listeners will appreciate all of your uh, all of your insights there. Thanks, Jason. And remember, folks, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus, or you can drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. For Brendan Matthews, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 